once we start exit planning, create an actual exit plan for a business owner, that plan is never finished. We are going to, the exit planning advisor is going to maintain a relationship with that owner forever. Hello, this is Elizabeth Mower, president of BEI. And I'm John Brown, the founder of BEI. Each episode, we take you into the world of exit planning, sharing the stories, struggles, and opportunities of business owners and their advisors. We'll get into this episode's conversation right after this. Do you already have an exit planning system in place? Are you looking for ways to attract new exit planning clients? The BEI marketing license is the perfect launchpad. With the marketing license, you'll receive access to tools, brandable materials, and support that enable you to attract and engage clients in exit planning. These tools are designed to place you and your firm as the trusted advisor. Get started today by visiting exitplanning.com forward slash license. That's exitplanning.com forward slash license. Attract and engage your clients in the exit planning process. Welcome to the podcast. Today, John Brown and I are back to talk about more issues that face business owners, the advisors who work with them, and the issues that confront us for planning for the future. So, John, thanks for being back today. It's always nice to be here. Uh, Today, I brought a conversation with me that I thought you and I should have, and we really have not talked about this very much, but uh, I've come across some situations recently that that made it I thought I thought useful for us to sort of talk about planning in terms of the reality of what it means for business owners and and the part of it that I want to talk about is the idea that uh, there are people who are kind of expecting and I have to say with a lot of things I'm sort of like this as well to want to, they want to put a plan in place know what they're going to do and then march according to that plan in the direction that they've set and complete the steps that they've lined out and everything will be fine. And, and what I know about planning and businesses uh, and, and what I know about everything else in life is that, is that I really need to not do that. And I need for business owners to maybe not have the expectation that planning for the future is a one and done because we have lots of examples of business clients who've put solutions that are that are uh, custom tailored for them in place, only to find that several years later, the plan needs to be changed. The plan needs to be unwound. The plan needs to be scrapped, improved, modified, or adjusted in some way. And uh, and I think that that uh, that's sometimes a surprise. To the person who owns the business or the person who who put a lot of intellectual and emotional energy into developing their plan mm-hmm. for what they were going to do. And so if you're confronted with a business owner who's saying, you know, what do you mean you're recommending that I change course? What mm-hmm. do you mean this plan that I implemented doesn't seem to be working? Mm-hmm. Then, you know, I assume you've seen that a lot also as well, John, and that you've had to have those conversations with clients saying, you know, change is okay. Well, yeah, it depends on what the change is. I mean, there can be a change in goals. Right? Instead right. of leaving in three years, I or I want to leave in three years, but now you're telling me based upon what I have, it has to be six or seven years. 
how do you deal with that? Or it could be, uh, yes, I have a, a plan to motivate and keep my key employee. Uh, I, I, I pay her a bonus of $50,000 a year. You mean I have to change that because it really isn't the type of incentive planning that's going to really retain that person long term. So it can be a lot of different things. And it can be, uh, I have this plan in place because my lawyer or my CPA or my financial advisor told me that's the way it should be. And sure, it was 10 years ago that they told me that, but why should I change now? So there's, uh, it can be a resistance to change. It can be uh, changing goals, which can be very difficult. Uh, it can be changing the way they've done things for a long time. All those can inhibit an owner from wanting to do additional planning. And, and I would say in our exit planning, uh, that's once we start exit planning and create an actual exit plan for a business owner with the help of their other advisors or other advisors we bring in, that plan is never finished. It's never right. over. We are going to, the exit planning advisor is going to maintain a relationship with that owner forever. That's exactly where I was hoping that you would go with it because... Well, I was lucky then. I know. Thank goodness. Or else we would have had nothing to talk yeah. about today. That, uh, that I think it's important to be open with ourselves as advisors uh, and with our clients mm -hmm. who are business owners that a plan is never set in stone. It's never locked down. And that's even maybe detrimental to the future of the mm -hmm. client in mm -hmm. certain cases if, the, if we lock them in too tightly, too soon, to a uh, to a course of action, and so you know, uh, I was I've been very pleased over the years. I had a client who was just very very sure that this particular employee was the right person yeah. to take over the business. So very simple example: we transition uh, through a sale a certain percentage, pretty small percentage of the ownership of the business to the employee uh, as a way to sort of start the ownership transition process. So didn't sell the whole company, didn't sell a controlling interest by any means. It was very small and it was intended to sort of kind of start a building of ownership on the part of this employee over, over a multi-year period. Well, you know, a year or two down the line, this client calls and says, you know, Elizabeth, I realized that we put all of these things in place and we put kind of a lot of effort into getting employee X into ownership. And the thing is, is that it's not working out. It's really not going very well. Mm -hmm. And my initial reaction uh, was, oh, no. <laughs> and then and then as I thought it through, I realized oh, okay, this is actually, it's a disappointment and it is a setback mm -hmm. because it created a timing difficulty for this owner. But it wasn't an actual problem because we did have the mechanisms in place mm -hmm. to unwind that agreement. We actually had thought all of that through and made all of those decisions at the, at the very beginning of planning mm -hmm. so that if circumstances changed, we could, we could sure. change course. And that, of course, in that particular case was just through the process of a, of a well thought out by sell agreement. And, and it does teach you that, that 
it doesn't matter really how certain we are of what we're doing at the time that we do planning. The plan always needs to be available to be revisited, to be updated, to be reviewed, to be revised in right. some way. And not everything can be. I think you were talking about that before we before we came in here to record and saying, you know, not everything can be adjusted but where we can, I do think mm -hmm. it's important to do. Mm -hmm. and, and I know you've got examples of clients that put planning in place only to make a decision later or be in a situation later that caused them to need to change that plan. Right. And so there are some common scenarios where that happens a lot. Number one on that hit list is transfers to other family members mm. uh, because it's not just a financial fact-based decision it's it's the owner's desire to have children typically become the successor owners even when those kids may not be sufficiently capable or interested in becoming the successor owners so but even if it's to management which in your case it was to a key key employee Absolutely. same thing happened is that the key employee perhaps changed her, her mind or his mind that they didn't want to go through the pain of becoming an owner taking on financial responsibility things like that so in exit planning we always or we we try to encourage our members and provide them support uh, we should always have a backup plan. Mm -hmm. So if we want a chance to transfer the business to these two key employees, we have to think, because the owner's not necessarily gonna be thinking about this, what happens if one or both of them leave? We always have to be thinking in the family transfer, what happens if the kids don't turn out the way we expect them to turn out, even when we're putting performance standards in place to make them accountable if they fail those tests. We have to have another plan available, which might be, okay, now we're going to transfer to more stock to one child. Now we're going to transfer ownership to the management team. Now I always have the backup capability of selling to an outside third party. We need to be thinking about those things and have people be aware of all of that. And of course, the other big uh, unforeseen issue is what happens if the owner dies or becomes disabled. We sure. have to have continuity arrangements in place really almost after the beginning of the exit planning process. As soon as we understand goals and resources, often what we're going to do is put a continuity in place in case the owner does the unexpected, which is to die. Right. You'd hate to spend 10, 12, 14 months working on a really interesting and multifaceted plan only to, ha only to, to realize that or to find out that, oh, now your business owner client has, has taken ill and may pass away at month yeah. nine or month 11 and you've spent all this time on planning and haven't put anything in place. So I agree with doing continuity yeah. planning first. And I might also add that another, another uh, sort of factor or reason for change that I'm seeing and I've got, I'm working with a business owner right now where they've gotten very interested, I think because of experiences they had with the most recent recession, gotten very interested in doing what they're calling stress testing mm -hmm. on their plan for it's sort of a it's sort of a multi-layered multi-gen not generational in the family but generations of of employees as owners mm -hmm. kind of situation and so they're looking at bringing in new 
uh, management level people as mm-hmm. owners and and retiring out and sort of buying back from the most senior uh, managers slash owners. And before they initiate another round of ownership transfers to new people and put things in place, they're doing a lot of what they're calling stress testing and just saying, yeah. what if things <clears throat> go very badly? Because they are you know, probably today, three times the size of a business that they were at their mm-hmm. lowest point during the recession. So who are the, who's helping them with that stress testing? Is it, are they doing it all internally? Are they using outside? It's a, it's a combination of uh, the person who's taking the lead on the exit planning, the, uh, which is an external advisor, the leadership of the business, mm-hmm. whose really job it is to kind of see all these different potential issues mm-hmm. Uh, they've got internal sort of highly not technical, you know, really accounting kind of related mm-hmm. people that can that can that can understand. Okay, in a good year, our business will do this. In a bad year, our business will do that. So they've got benchmarks, basically. Yes, yeah, so they have a sense of what the you know what's what are the consequences of not their project based company. What are the consequences of not getting projects for a future year? How does that trickle mm-hmm. down all the way through their P and L? And then they're also getting input from their CPA. So it's really a team effort yeah. to say, okay, well, if things go really really well. Does that create any problems? Mm-hmm. Does it over exaggerate the value of the company? Does it over benefit someone whose turn it is to sell at the very moment when before that and after that might be down years? So what what should we do about that? Mm-hmm. And then and so all these different people are trying to contribute to the analysis of what a very good year looks like and is that a problem, which a lot of people don't think that it is. Mm-hmm. And what does a bad year look like? And we already know that that's a problem. And what are we going to do mm-hmm. about it? And then I'm sort of I'm sort of a playing a consulting role, sort of off to the side. And just uh, as you'd like to say, what I'm doing is I'm just throwing out questions that other people have to answer. Mm-hmm. But I think they're interesting questions about, you know, how okay, mm-hmm. well, how will that affect your ability to continue to get new projects and just function as a company? Is anything that we're doing here going to impact your ability to do mm-hmm. business? Because we really don't want to create any artificial constraints on the company's ability to do business and either shrink mm-hmm. itself down or expand itself out, depending on what the economy is doing. And then I'm asking a lot of other questions about, you know, how will we know that a person is a good candidate and how, you know, uh, how comfortable will the remaining owners feel if a departing owner ends with ends up with a particular arrangement that's very good or that's very bad mm-hmm. you know are there any kind of bumpers that people would like to put on that so uh, my job in that in that particular client situation is to ask a lot of questions uh, and then and then to try and give them ideas for ways to build flexibility mm-hmm. into their plans and uh, and so and so I think of advisors will talk more to their clients at the front end about the need to include flexibility where possible mm-hmm. and where it's helpful. And <clears throat> business owners should maybe have expectations that uh, plans are kind of a living, breathing, changing thing. And no matter how much effort we put into it today, there's still a reasonable chance that it will change in the future. And and keeping that in mind, I think, helps us develop better plans, mm-hmm. more uh, robust plans that are more resilient 
and more likely to succeed overall for us having built in all of these yeah, you know, sort of safeguards. With all of that, it says a lot. So we sort of moved past exit planning here, and we're talking about implementing sure. a plan that's already been created. Uh, and that's where we're, we need flexibility because if it's one thing we know, it's that that plan's not going to work perfectly. Right. There are going to be glitches. There are going to be unseen opportunities. I don't think people talk about that. It sounds negative, and, and I think you're absolutely yeah. right, though. The plan, as we conceive of it in our minds, is almost never going to be exactly the plan that ends up working out, right? And that, those those plans often are just, they are they're stuck in this, uh, the drawer or on the computer, and we don't re-examine it. And that mm-hmm. is a role that advisors in general are not going to voluntarily undertake. The, as an old lawyer or my CPA friends or my other professional friends, we don't think about, okay, we did this in 2016. Let's revisit that in 2019 to see if it's still appropriate. Right. It's sort of one and done. We go away. We will still represent the client, maybe for other opportunities, but we're not re-examining whether what we originally decided to do needs to be revised. Uh, and that just takes a pro, uh, an ongoing implementation process where other advisors will be brought in as well uh, to re-examine what they've done. And it's not that it was wrong. It's just that things have changed. Right. And there are a small number of professions who I think are naturally trained to implement and then evaluate and then revisit and adjust. You know, so... Financial planners, be the, the, if they're any yeah. good, are going to do that naturally, don't you think? That's their job. That is their job. That's their right? job. Yeah, you would so think I think they they're going to do that if they've expanded to helping their business owner clients develop a, a business plan for the future. Mm-hmm. I think a, finan- a person who's trained in financial planning is pretty likely. Yeah, because they're all they're they're always evaluating evaluating the plan in light of current financial circumstances. Right. But as no lawyer, I, di- I didn't think of, I think well, lawyers a year's unlikely. gone by, do I need to re-examine the buy-sell agreement or do I right. need to re-examine other things that I've done? Right. And, and not to throw them under the bus, but lawyers and CPAs, I think, do tend to sort of complete a project. And then move on. And then move on to right. another project and feel pretty good about doing yeah. that. Maybe business consultants might be a little bit more because they're kind of objective measures of success and failure kind of oriented. They Business consultants might be a good candidate for someone to really um, keep they an eye be. on changes. Yeah. It's possible. Although I think we all could be. I think we right. all could be. It's just that's maybe, especially the financial planners tend to do that as part of their profession. Right. I mean, we've used so we consultants and BEI, right? That yeah, we, they're gone. They're they don't gone. Care at all. They're gone. Should we call them they back? They don't care what happened <laughs> with our implementation. So, yeah. so I think, you know, and, and I didn't mean to to imply that we should that you know financial planning firms should do all of the business planning but we should really take a lesson from them they have an existing sort of expectation they set expectations with their clients mm-hmm. that that their plans won't almost certainly will not work out exactly as expected mm-hmm. and that adjustments will need to be made and i think we could all those of us who come from pr- professions in which you know, observe, evaluate, mm-hmm. adjust is not a typical pattern, yeah. should really look to some of those professions where it is and, and sort of, uh, you know, sort of assume or sort of take on some of those patterns for ourselves, uh, even mm-hmm. if all it means is that 
we put all of that work onto you know our our junior advisors and our staff and our administrative staff to say you know it's February of 2020 or 2025 or 2030 now it's time for you to schedule a meeting and revisit these things with this client so even if maybe I'm not personally good at doing that kind of thing I think I can I can put systems in place and I think business owners should do it as well business owners should assume that planning and revisiting their planning is part of their normal year every year right. we're going to do these things we're going to check them we're going to see if we could make improvements or adjustments and even if we think everything is good we should probably get back together with our lead planning advisor at the very most mm -hmm. or the very least i should say and and talk about it maybe that planning advisor is aware of a change in the tax laws a change in our state laws mm -hmm. a change that's coming to affect our industry might affect our planning and so and so getting other people into the conversation i think is important so but there's a practical problem with other advisors doing this and and with financial planners it's not a problem because they're usually being paid a, a ongoing fee for the very purpose of readjusting their financial portfolio right. in light of changed financial or personal circumstances so that's why they're being uh, receiving their fee, which they earn. But if I, as a buy, uh, as a, a business attorney, uh, did a buy sell for a buy sell agreement for a company in 2018, and now I come back in other legal documents, perhaps, and now I come back and say, "Well, you know, I, we need to re-examine this." Mm -hmm. Well, it's going to take me a lot of time, typically to see what in the heck I did. I'm gonna have to pull out the old document. Right. I'm gonna have to review it. And then I will make recommendations, you know, based upon maybe a, that follow-up meeting you're talking about. Mm -hmm. it, and if the client's not prepared to pay for that review, that's gonna be difficult for me. And secondly, if all I've done is to create a document and I put it in the client's file, I will forget about it instantly. And the only way to to understand what's in the document is to go back and read the document. And that is a time-consuming effort. So uh, in exit planning, and what we learned in my our old law firm is uh, we have to have a process where we capture the important items in all of these documents we're preparing in an exit planning process, the terms of a buy-sell agreement, the terms of uh, an incentive plan for the key employees, the important terms maybe in employment agreements for the management or management uh, staff. Uh, we have to capture those uh, vital pieces of information so that we can instantly review them. That's part of the planning process. And, right. I, and I think a lot of lawyers for for one don't do that right i think there's a lot of professional advisors period who just don't do that and uh and as i think through all of the business clients that we've worked with uh that i've worked with over the years and that i've and that i've talked about with other advisors the the need for to expect flexibility and to expect change is really an important part of the planning yeah. process so so I think if we set our expectations among advisors and clients alike, that that's what's going to happen, then I think it'll seem a little easier and and it'll seem like a great benefit, not a burden that we have to go back right. and try to revisit it, but a great opportunity to really make a plan even more successful and even better than it was before. So if I can 
put in the slight pitch for our software program? Is that permitted? You in can this do podcast? it just for five seconds. Okay, only five seconds. I have. Yes. Ten. I can't do it. Ten seconds. Okay. A minute. Try. Okay. So, part of what we learned in developing our software system is to create an exit plan. Is we get input from all of the advisors and we put that into the plan, just the salient uh, provisions of a buy-sell agreement, of a financial plan, of tax planning, so that's always there for everybody to look at. And that makes it a lot easier to keep everything current because we don't have to go back and try to find out what we did three years ago. It's right there. I'm, I'm through job. with that. I'm done. Well, and if for those who don't use BEI's Epic software, that's something that they can do on their own as well. Summarize what we're trying to achieve, how we're achieving it, summarize the key points that we're putting in place so that instead of reading hundreds of pages of documents and digging around in files mm -hmm. next year or the year after or seven years from now, 10 years from now, we can just look back at the plan that has all of the critical features in it. So if that's something that an advisor wants to just write up themselves, mm -hmm. I think they should do that. Certainly, I think that's a better way to go than files with stacked all different estate planning documents, mm -hmm. business documents, personal documents, financial planning documents. Certainly, I'm not interested in reading all of those yeah. things. So creating some kind of a summary uh, that has been contributed to by uh, lots of different advisors who have who have the expertise mm -hmm. necessary is really important to do. And that was sort of your point. So it's a pitch yeah. and a recommendation on how to conduct a successful and, and efficient practice in working with mm -hmm. business clients, right? Mm -hmm. Well, that's why we plan so that we can help clients achieve a successful future no matter how that changes over time, right? Exactly. Thank you very much. Thanks for being here. We'll see you next time. Thanks for listening. Join us for our next episode. For more content like this, please visit exitplanning.com.